0: You're listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I'm Kendra, and I love having interesting conversations with my friends about art, media, life, the universe, and everything. And that is what this podcast is all about. So I was actually really surprised when you recommended this to me, Andrew. (laughs) Uh, and that is the thing that we are going to be talking about today, which is an anime show called Princess Tutu. Can you <laughs> tell us about Princess Tutu?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, it's. I was finding it a little hard to explain what Princess Tutu is because just from the name, you get weird looks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'd say that. One way of looking at Princess Tutu is to say it's a magical girl genre anime where there's uh, a girl and she's been given the power to collect these shards from a broken heart that are scattered all around town and she needs to collect them and return them to uh, their proper owner who happens to be her crush and it takes place in a ballet conservatory. That's... A kind of surface level, when you just kind of pick it up and look at it, that's kind of what it looks like. But in a lot of ways, this summary is woefully inadequate. First of all, uh, even though it's from the magical girl genre, um, it's not like the typical Sailor Moon magical girl shows. It does a lot to subvert the genre. For another thing, it's not actually about a girl. Uh, It's about a duck who transforms into a girl who transforms into a magical girl. So already you're seeing things that don't typically pop up in these genres. It's usually a girl becoming a magical girl. In this case, there's an extra layer where the person doesn't even start off as human. Mm. Uh, They start off as a little bird. And then it it does a lot to play into really interesting themes. Uh, For instance... The contrast between a love that is self-sacrificial and giving, and a kind of love that is possessive, and uh, destructive, and wants to control and consume the other person as opposed to give to the other person, especially in season two, I think that's really important uh, to know going into season two because otherwise you'll you'll miss a lot, and and the whole theme is. Symbolically represented by stuff that's really easy to miss. They talk a lot about crow's blood or raven's blood. And whenever that, you know, like someone who drinks raven's blood or uh, has raven's blood in their veins, that person uh, is pushed towards uh, the selfish, possessing kind of affection uh, where the... One of the often repeated lines in season two is you need to love me and only me um, and hate everybody else. And so the exploration of that topic is is really fascinating and fun. It's already, you know, playing with the genre, doing things that are unexpected. Uh, it's uh, exploring themes of actual emotional significance and worth. So, yeah, in your typical magical girl show, uh, the cadence of the story is a ver- very much a monster of the week episode type thing. There's a problem uh, where like a-, a monster shows up, the magical girl or magical girls transform into their super powerful alter egos and they fight the monster, defeat the monster. Uh, sometimes they'll, you know, collect a card or collect some MacGuffin. Uh, th- that caused the the bear to go on the rampage, and that's what the monster was, which is Tutu, uh, it looks like very much set up to do that. And it does do that in a lot of ways uh, because you have all these heart shards that are scattered everywhere and they're causing problems. This is very similar to a, a lot of animes from uh, the, the setup in uh, Pretty Cure to uh, the the French... Uh, miraculous ladybug, which is basically a rip-off of the magical girl genre. That, that set-up you know, seems like, oh yeah, there are these hearts, shards, they're lodging in people, and they're causing problems, and Princess Tutu needs to go solve the problems and, and collect the MacGuffins. Uh, but then, they add to it, because a lot of the times, these things just are, are just kind of there, and they're not that important. They're just there to cause problems, give the girls something to fight. But in Princess Tutu, It turns into an exploration of emotions in a lot of way, uh, which ties into what makes us human, uh, what it means to be human, because uh, each shard of the heart represents a particular emotion. So I'm sitting here watching it for the first time, kind of interested and intrigued by some of the stuff that's been going on and I'm wondering what is like the 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 first emotion that Princess Tutu is going to collect is it going to be you know love no no they're going to save that one for later you know big finale or something is it going to be uh, courage or you know what, what are other emotions that I can think of I was coming up with all these emotions that make life beautiful and worth living because Magical girls are genre is generally such an optimistic genre. You know, there's all these, you know, positive and good things. And so I'm expecting super happy stuff. And like the first emotion that gets countered, like, I am the emotion of bitter disappointment, broken and forgotten. It's like, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I had like set myself up thinking, you know, okay, this is going to tell me something about how they view humans and human nature and what's the most important foundation on which to to build everything else. And it's disappointment. It's like, ouch. And that that really shakes up a lot of what the magical girl genre, of what you expect from a magical girl genre. Uh, You expect positivity, you expect light, you expect everything to be bright and happy. I mean, with a name like Princess Tutu, how could it be anything but saccharinely sweet? Uh, (laughs) But but it's not afraid to delve into some of these deeper, darker, uh, harder things. And in doing so, it paints a picture of humanity and uh, love and Stuff that is is a lot deeper than you get from a lot of animes Right from the very beginning, the kind of summary that makes it sound like just a typical, sweet, normal, high school anime is is, is inadequate. Uh, so maybe we can try a different approach to saying what it's about. We could say that it's a story about a prince who fights a raven, and to seal the raven away, he sacrifices his heart and gives up all his emotions. And now Princess Tutu is tasked with restoring his heart, uh, which will uh, release the raven from, his, from its imprisonment uh, and m- make stuff happen in the story. So that's, you know, that's another way of, of trying to maybe look at it. And in from this perspective, you know, there, there's a lot in this anime that is all about fairy tales and, and stories.
0: But they don't tend to play out the way that you would expect. That's what I found very interesting because yeah. both of us really enjoy fairy tales and we, we know a lot of the tropes and the, the classic setups. And I felt like mm-hmm. Princess Tutu subverted some of those as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It draws great inspiration from uh, these fairy tales. And it'll start them off. They, they, they introduce elements and things from actual fairy tales and actual stories. And so it starts off very familiar, but then um, it will often veer off into a certain degree of uncertainty where right? it's not as familiar and not sure what's going to happen. This is maybe a little bit like uh, the music uh, going off on a, a slightly. Related tangent throughout the show, uh, they score the scenes using literal classical music from Beethoven, Debussy, Tchaikovsky's a big one because it takes place at a ballet school. So the Nutcracker and Swan Lake are really big themes that you hear. But in the music, some, sometimes they, they play it out straight, uh, like they will play the the literal classical music, and sometimes they'll we'll change it just slightly, uh, or play just you know a small clip of it at a, a particular moment uh, to give a hint of the the thing. And that's that's kind of the the way the fairy tales also kind of work. Uh, you have these uh, familiar elements that you've probably you know seen and heard many times, but then uh, it'll it's not just carbon copying and pasting, but they're very clear about their their inspirations and not just fairy tales uh ballets too uh obviously Uh, and like characters will they don't try to hide it uh there will literally be characters who say that's the rosemary from giselle or that person is dancing uh the waltz from this ballet (laughs) so there are all sorts of references uh if you like dance and and know and know these references then it Adds to the experience, although it's not necessary to enjoy. But anyway, getting back on target, the anime Princess Tutu is able to tap into uh, the feeling of fairy tales, where things are strange and weird and magical. And you can feel like there's all sorts of you know stuff that could happen, but it doesn't give you the, the sense of knowing because you know what fairy tale it is, exactly how it's going to be. And part of that is because fairy tales themselves uh, we think of them as super sweet and happy, uh, but you know we also know deep down somewhere we've heard that the original fairy tales are dark and weird and bloody, and so there's this this other other element to them. And Princess Tutu is able to balance out. Uh, it could go in the dark direction, and it's a beautiful, hopeful, optimistic. Uh, satisfying fairy tale. Like it's able to walk that line where you're not sure which way it's going to go. It's able to subvert the the fairy tale expectations in a way that is not just the standard, oh, you think it's one way? Actually, it's the opposite. And Mm. here I'm going to go back to um, talking a little bit about the magical girl genre. Uh, Because sometime after Princess Tutu came out, there's was a popular Magical girl show. And if you know which one this is, then you know. Uh, and if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you its name so that when you eventually get around to watching it, hopefully it isn't spoiled. Uh, but basically what happens in this one is it starts off with all of the, you know, trying to be as normal Magical Girls possible. And then the twist is that the monsters they've been fighting are actually former magical girls and they're going to become like those monsters and it's all dark and the cute little good guys are actually evil bad guys. And it's like everything you think is the opposite and they do it really well. It's a, it's a great show. And I would highly recommend it uh, if I wasn't avoiding its name at the moment, (laughs) (laughs) but that's the typical way that you subvert something. You take an expectation and you just do the opposite. But princess Tutu doesn't subvert things that way. Instead, they take expectations and they add to them. Uh, and in some ways, that puts pushes them in directions that they normally don't go. Uh, like I mentioned, the whole emotion things. Usually, the MacGuffins that need to be collected are just MacGuffins. But in Princess Tutu, they add an extra layer where these are emotions that belong to an actual person. And there's a whole character development around this. Uh, And the fact that Princess Tutu is actually a girl who's named Duck and that girl named Duck or a hero in Japanese uh, is actually a literal duck who's been transformed into a girl who's transforming into Princess Tutu. That extra layer adds uh, a subversion of expectations and something new and different, but it's not the standard Oh, you think it's one way? Well, actually, it's the opposite, which is, you know, that's the easy way to subvert tropes. Uh, Princess Tutu goes the extra mile and does something extra special. And it, it, in some ways, does it not just with the magical girls genre. It does it with the, the fairy tales that, that it plays with within that story. And yeah, it, it deserves a lot more credit than it gets.
0: Something you were saying about, you know, it... it- it's not an overturning, subversion of all of these things. I feel like that's kind of because it has this unique blend of ballet and fairy tales. Because mm-hmm. a lot of ballets are based on fairy tales, but mm-hmm. the, f- the feelings and the the themes explored are different. Because I I get the impression in a lot of fairy tales, they can be instructional. <laughs> um, they, you know, don't be be kind to strangers. You know, listen to your parents. yeah, um, don't eat the cookie house in the middle of the woods. That's uh, but- a very
1: important moral everybody needs <laughs> <Right. to be. laughs>
0: but ballets are not necessarily moralistic. I feel like ballets are an exploration of emotion. And whereas, again, in more moralistic fairy tales, there's kind of a just ending, if you will, of mm-hmm. the, the evil people get their just desserts. The good people are rewarded in many ballets, particularly uh, the ones that are highlighted in Princess Tutu. You have um, Swan Lake, Giselle. They are explorations of emotion, mostly love, and they end very tragically.
1: That is a very good point. Princess Tutu is, in so many ways, just a massive love letter written to all ballet, uh, classical music, uh, and all, all of that is just celebrating and referencing and bringing in all of those things into the story, uh, and so it it and that comes with the sense of a doomed tragedy you know the story is inevitably marching towards its painful fate uh but it's also uh a typical magical girl uh story at, at uh, on the surface and that wants to pull it towards hope and optimism and everything turns out fine and you know fairy tales also have that that duality within the uh mm-hmm. the fact that you know I hadn't considered that ballet itself is so much more an exploration of emotion and um, not darkness, but suffering uh, and tragedy. Tragedy is the word. Those elements are coming into Princess Tutu through that. And so you get this wonderful duality that it keeps me, it kept me on the edge of my seat when I was watching it. I legitimately didn't know how things would turn out. You can normally tell in you know stories like yes, this is you know the big battle fight scene, and we know that the good guys are going to win and the bad guys are going to be defeated and is exciting and it's fun, but you deep down you know what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. With Princess to just about every fight scene, it's they're not really fighting, each each action moment felt a lot more intense to me because I didn't know if, you know, what was going to happen, is this character who we've been told is going to die from the very beginning, is, are they going to die? All these questions, because you're not guaranteed a happy ending just by nature of the way that this is set up. Uh, in fact, you're, you're pretty much promised an unhappy ending from the beginning, not, not exactly promised, promised, but Princess Tutu leaves open the possibility of a happy ending or an unhappy ending right up till you get to the very end, you don't know what it's going to be. And that that makes the action moments so much more intense for me, Uh, even though they're not animated super beautifully like all these other fight scenes I see in anime with dynamic action. It's a lot more bare bones and simple, but they're more intense.
0: Well, let's talk about that because in a lot of shows and it's fighting and you say you know the magic girl has to fight things it's not fighting like it's it's she dances with people which and that's when you're explaining it it sounds kind of weird but I, I found it very powerful in that there's no violence per se um, mm-hmm. and also she's not fighting like these evil you know monsters or anything it, it's generally People she knows who have, or or people she just met, or, or sympathetic characters who who have these shards in them that is disrupting something, mm-hmm. and um you know instead of kicking their butts, she she goes no, let's dance together, mm-hmm. which is just such an interesting for mm-hmm. basically a superhero genre in in a way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's yet another subversion um, of expectations. A lot of shows are like talk about the power of friendship and forgiveness, but it, it ultimately comes down to you know when the cards are on the table, we beat up the bad guy, and then maybe they become our friend because this is anime, and in anime defeat means friendship. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but with Princess Tutu, they really lean into this sense that. We're going to resolve this uh, without fighting because that's not the problem. These are emotional problems, people with misplaced emotions that are disrupting their lives. And so the solution is therapy. (laughs) That's what she does. She says, come dance with me and she gives them a mini therapy session. And so it's emotional drama as opposed to super high resolution action battle sequence. It's let's talk about, you know, this feeling you have. That's not what you really want. That's not how you really feel. This is the wrong emotion. You need to let go of this emotion and try to feel something more positive and healthy as opposed to the unhealthy thing that you're holding on to. The idea of uh, finding the true you like who you really are, as opposed to the emotion that is controlling and dominating your life. That is just another level of depth that you get from princess Tutu.
0: When again, it's, it's what you said, the self-sacrificing love versus consuming love, because most of her, I like it. The mini therapy dance sessions are a lot about what, what actually is love. What is letting, you know, Letting go, facing difficult problems, acknowledging pain, and choosing not to let it make you bitter. Those stakes are so high.
1: (laughs) They matter to us as human beings far more than a a little butterfly Akuma trapped inside of somebody making them do bad things. It's, It's more real. Because these are people. And so, yeah, I think a big part of it is this, you know, getting your love properly in order. Another big part of it is being your true authentic self, whatever that exactly means. Uh, That's a a, a big thing for Princess Tutu. And then that comes around to the whole Princess Tutu thing, because the character is a magical girl uh, or she's a duck who becomes a human, who becomes a magical girl. And so who's the real Tutu? Is it, you know, which of these three levels is actually the the person and how do they all coexist together? That that just adds another level of awesome drama and excitement to to the story. (laughs) The second summary is probably a, a better, more accurate summary of what Princess Tutu is and what it's about but it's still missing a lot because another way of trying to summarize the story would be to say that it's actually about an author, uh, a writer uh, who is writing a story about a prince and a raven, but the story was incomplete uh, when he died. So now his uh, ghost or spirit has to find people who will take on the roles of the characters and finish the story for him. But the characters have different ideas about how the story should end. And that brings in a whole nother meta level uh, to the story. Princess Tutu is, I think, the most meta story that I've ever seen and the most successful story at being meta, at exploring the nature of stories and characters. And free will. And free will, yes. And and fate, which, and all of, you know, fate
0: and free will are things that are often explored in stories and ballets. Mm -hmm. You know, many of those tragic ones are someone is fated to do something and it ends in tragedy. And because they're trying to work against it, they end up fulfilling it and it still Mm -hmm. ends in tragedy. So this is like a whole nother level of people working Against fate, for fate, what is fate?
1: Yeah. And it feeds one into what we were saying earlier about how Princess Tutu feels somewhat unpredictable as to whether it's going to end happily or sadly. We have the author who says, oh, I'm going to write a tragedy. This is going to be a sad story. And the characters who are like, we don't want a sad story. We want a happy ending. And that conflict where Mm. you are rooting for the characters, but... The person in control of the story is saying, you know, that's boring. We need to spice things up with a sad ending. Uh, and that dynamic adds to the uncertainty. It plays into the question of, you know, like you said, fate and free will, hope versus despair, uh, which is a very common theme in a lot of magical girls genre stuff because like, The message is always, you know, you need to be optimistic and believe and stuff like that in all these magical girl shows. Well, Princess Tutu really takes it seriously by saying, well, here's the alternative of despair. Like, you can give up, accept your fate, don't try to fight it. That is a real option. It doesn't feel like a real option in most of the shows that I see, where like giving in to the bad guy doesn't doesn't feel like it's actually on the table Mm -hmm. but it is on the table for princess tutu and it's like if you're in a very dark room a small candle will shed a lot more light other shows which are mostly daylight a small candle doesn't have much of an impact but in princess tutu because the alternative is real and present and because It feels so impossible for things to work out. The fact that they try, even if they don't succeed, the fact that they try, it feels like it shines brighter than a lot more cheery shows.
0: And now it's time for a random quote from our guest.
1: I think that uh, if I had to pick a quote from Princess Tutu right now, the one that I'm feeling most kinship with is what the character Adel says. She says... To those who accept their fate, happiness. To those who defy it, glory. That's a good summation of what we were just talking about with Princess Tutu.
0: Hello, friends. Every episode, I like to give my guest a chance to share a random recommendation. And I decided I, too, would like to be able to share random recommendations. So here is mine. I would like to recommend a book by my friend Allison. We did a podcast about this. You should check it out. The book is called Snapshots of China, and it is a glimpse into the daily life of people who live and work and study abroad in China. I happen to be the illustrator. You can find Snapshots of China on Amazon, and you should also check out Allison's website, allisonmullins.com. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-M-U-L-L-I-N-S dot com for videos and blogs and fun behind the scenes stuff. So go do that and enjoy. So let's talk about the characters. And maybe we, since we've already done a bit about like the overarching philosophies and themes, maybe we can get into more characters and maybe even spoiler territory. So audience you have been warned
1: go out watch the show come back finish the podcast i promise the show is worth it it's good you can find it on hulu i think so i think we've already somewhat touched on the things that make me love the character duck slash princess tutu so much uh the fact that she is put in what is essentially an impossibly horrible situation i wish uh, i wish i had mentioned this earlier. But one of one of the deals is that uh, the character Princess Tutu, if she ever confesses her love for the prince, uh, who's the person she's restoring the heart of, then uh, she will disappear into a speck of light and vanish, which is, on the one hand, so beautifully fairy tale that it makes me love it. And on the other hand, it's in many ways true to how people feel about confessing their feelings to someone is like they, they feel like they'll disappear if that happens so it kind of taps into deep emotions and feelings that people actually have and thirdly it gives uh, a nice tidy explanation for why the main heroine doesn't just come out and say that she likes a guy which is a major thing in a lot of anime where someone will like someone and they'll just drag it out for a long time with nobody saying anything and after a while just like just say something well in this story you can't because you will literally literally disappear and so it's kind of a nice addition to the story that, that makes the whole thing fit together a little better as well as providing a whole lot of additional drama because they really milk that out and, and use it. And, you know, Princess Tutu is presented as this person who is fated to never be with the, the one she loves because she can't speak up her love. The character, Duck uh, takes on the role of Princess Tutu and accepts that. Uh, and, you know, is you know, willing to go through this like painful situation that feels utterly impossible. And she does it with a smile and positivity and with grace that makes her, in my opinion, one of the best heroes uh, or heroines of all time, uh, because she's able to go forward and keep hoping in such impossibly painful circumstances. So that's one of the things that I love about the character of Duck. And it's not like, oh, she's just this perfect angel, who is, you know, totally perfect and is able to shoulder this burden because she's an ideal rather than a real person. No, she feels like a real person. You see her anguishing over the circumstances she's in. You see points where she's just about to give up on the whole project, uh, mostly because. She's restoring painful feelings to the person she loves. He's like, this isn't a good thing. I should stop. Uh, But you see her on the brink of giving things up. You see her in, quite literally, in the depths of despair, which is my favorite part of the show. (laughs) Uh, But you feel her emotion. And that, that just makes the character and her heroism all the more glorious. So, yeah, I, I, I love the character of Princess Tutu and I think she's one of the greatest heroines ever.
0: I think the prince um, is an interesting character because he has no heart when you meet him and he's not likable because he yeah. has no heart.
1: Yeah, that, that is very true. I think when I talk to people about Princess Tutu, one of the things I hear the most is that they're, they don't really like the prince Muto. He's... He's just kind of there. And for a good chunk of it, he has no agency because he has no emotions or preferences or feelings. Then he has no agency because he's being controlled and manipulated by somewhat external forces. And then he like the the moments where he shows any kind of agency or opinions or his true self are are very few and far between kind of sprinkled throughout here and there. It's very easy to just kind of be meh about the prince, uh, which is I think it might be one of the the weaker elements of the show. It uh, could be,
0: but it, it reminded me of the the original version of the Little Mermaid, where the the prince falls in love with someone else and doesn't realize he has this mermaid <laughs> who's special right in front of him and. And you kind of dislike him because you're like, you you as the audience are on the side of the little mermaid because we know her and we love her. And it's like, dude, you know, but he ends up falling in love and marrying someone else. And I I I get a I got a lot of that feeling from Princess Tutu, where it's like it's not necessarily his role to be likable. And and it it also plays into real life of reflecting. There are some people you care about that might not feel the same way about you, and they are living their own adventure, their own life, and you play a very minor part in that, even though they are playing a large part in your life.
1: I agree that it's very much like uh, The Little Mermaid. I mean, what happens to The Little Mermaid? She turns into seafoam and is washed away. That's like, as close (laughs) as you can get to turning into a speck of light and disappearing.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) so so yeah big little mermaid vibes and yeah i hadn't made the connection to the prince from the little mermaid but i think you're right his role isn't really to be super likable which is maybe a little little hard if you're expecting that sort of thing but since Mm -hmm. we didn't give you exactly what you expected Uh, (laughs) he is a little more passive uh he's, he's very passive and in many ways he's He's more a prop in the story uh, that keeps things going than uh, a full fledged character. Um,
0: you know, that I actually appreciate that because that's usually the role of a girl in a lot of movies, of the movies who are targeted at a, a male audience and, you know, big action adventure stuff. The girl is just there and there. There's actually a term for this of when a girl is killed. In a movie just so that there's character development for the guy the guy can then feel sad and go and fight the bad guys and she had no personality so i and in some ways i i actually really i can't say i enjoyed prince miedo because he had no personality but i felt like it was a fun subversion of oh he's playing the damsel in distress part. And I'm really okay with that right now. <laughs> yeah. That's a
1: really good way to think about it.
0: Another thing with the characters is that some of the characters, its this is such a strange mishmash of, of ballet and fairy tales and also like high school.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, anyway, it's gotta be high school.
0: Exactly. And some of the characters like the fairy tales in the, in the high school genre that is mixed in and all this, there are some characters that you go, Oh, I know what this character is. This character is the bully. This character is the, the villain, this character. And then you find out more about them and go, Oh no, this is different than, than I thought. And I appreciated that as well as you you start this and you think oh fairy tales i know where this is going oh high school i know where this is going and you don't
1: i think a good example of that is uh rue's character she's basically set up as your typical uh love rival a lot of these shows they have the rich popular snotty girl who likes the same person that the main character likes and they get into this kind of battle and, and, and fight it out uh, over you know, who's going to become on top and win his love type of thing. And that, that's the setup for a lot of stories, especially in the uh, shoujo anime. In the characters of Pique and Lilie, uh Duck's two friends, you sort of see that mentality. Uh, if you pay attention to what they're doing, they're treating the world as if it was a typical high school shoujo drama. And that's what their expectations and things are. That's where a lot of their their silly humor comes in. They're like, oh, you need to go do a love confession or you need to go fight now. And it's, that's the way they view the world. And that's one of the reasons why my first uh, summary, our explanation of what Princess Tutu is, was so limited because it feeds into the Piquet and Lilie view. But Princess Tutu doesn't, doesn't go there. Doc wants to become friends with Rue. She doesn't want to, to fight her for, for Mewtwo. Uh, she wants what's good for Mewtwo, what's good for Rue, what's good for all the other characters, and it doesn't put them on the collision course of enmity in the same way that most other shows do that. I mean, there is a collision course because Rue is also Princess Krahi and, and she tries to foil Princess Tutu. It's not over... I like him versus you like him, therefore we we hate each other. And I'm just a big bully. She has so much humanity. She has so much many desires, and you really see like her go from a place where she's a really nice person. Uh, Rue starts out, you know, maybe a little aloof and maybe a little stuck up, but she's genuinely a nice person. And you see her descent into desperation as things get harder and harder for her. You feel that descent down, And then when she reaches peak villainy, she just gets more suffering. And through that, she starts to work her way back up out of that villain. For the most part, it makes sense. It's like this makes sense for the character. Uh, and through it all, she's just suffering the whole way. <laughs> poor, poor Rue.
0: That's so interesting because, again, bringing in this, the fairy tales and the ballets, I feel like it, the whole setup between Princess Tutu, Mioto, and Rue is like Swan Lake, and a lot of Swan Lake music is used. And um, so, I the
1: one finale. That's yes, my favorite episode.
0: And so, as a as a kid, I was really into ballet. And so I would read books about the stories. And honestly, Swan Lake kind of scarred me. It's dark and it's sad. And it it feels kind of senselessly sad Mm. playing into those things about fate. So um, Odette is the the Swan Princess. She's She's been cursed and she falls in love with the prince. And then through this whole miscommunication and some intervention by an evil magician the prince ends up marrying the evil magician's daughter and then tragedy ensues and and so as a you know as a kid and and again the, I guess I just like this type of story the little mermaid swan lake you identifying you want the, the main character to end up with the prince. And what's so fascinating about Princess Tutu is you can kind of see this love triangle coming. It's set up. And I did not like Rue at all. But Duck, the, in her good-naturedness, It's almost like Odette, the swan princess, going to the evil magician's daughter and going like, hey, let's be friends. Like, yeah, you're going to steal my loved one and you're doing all these terrible things. But, you know, are you okay? You seem really sad. And and that just blew my mind of like, but I don't want to like her. And then you start feeling sorry for her because it's almost like, wow, if Duck can – Want to be friends with her? What's my problem? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree 100%. That kind of leads us into the ending, uh, yeah. which is <laughs> controversial. This is major, major spoilers. So, you know, ye have been warned. Uh, if you could give a, a brief overview of the ending and then I can. I can say my viewpoint about it because I, I feel like mine is the possibly the lay person's viewpoint, and then you can give your very well thought out philosophical uh, viewpoint on this, which is really enlightening and encouraging and interesting.
1: Although before getting into it, I will point out that we have not once mentioned Fakir, which is a huge oversight. So, far. good point. Let us let
0: us mention that first. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's another character named Fakir, and he is awesome. Uh, moving on, <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: um, we should talk more about him because he does play into the ending a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I feel the least prepared to talk about Fakir. Actually, um, he starts out as you know a kind of antagonist, uh, like like Rude, Rude, in a lot of ways, um, but
0: almost worse. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely
1: worse. Uh, he starts off worse than. Worse. Uh, you get
0: the idea that he is maybe the person who did something to the prince's heart. Oh,
1: I was one hundred percent convinced that he was the evil raven. Yes. Uh, yes. When I was watching it, I was like, oh, okay, he's the raven. Uh, Muto is the embodiment of the prince. He's the embodiment of the raven. Yes. Uh, he's going to be the big enemy. It's like, oh no, no, he he's not. And
0: um, it's so interesting because with Rue, okay, I just talked about how much I didn't like Rue, but even with Rue, you can enter into sympathy because mm-hmm. going like, oh, you know, her, you know, she's being influenced by the Raven, like she, she <laughs> has like this messed yeah, up family, flooded. like there's it, all it, these it's things, very much,
1: like, um, like you re- really have the sense that you could code this as. Uh Rue is from a very abusive background and does not know how to love people properly.
0: Yes, that exactly.
1: Comes so across. It's,
0: it's tragic and it's sad, mm-hmm. but but fakir, you're like, no, this guy's straight up evil.
1: <laughs> yeah. He certainly, you know, comes across that way uh, at the beginning. Of course, what he wants to do is he wants to stop Mewtwo from getting his heart, uh, because if Mirito gets his heart back, then that sets the story back in motion. The raven will be released and that'll end badly. So, you know, he, he starts off trying to prevent that. And he, you, you, you have a great story as he comes around and starts, instead of working against Princess Tutu, eventually has has to start working with her, and, and they develop a real nice, close friendship uh, together. Uh, Despite him being his prickly, unhappy self. And they layer onto that the fact that he is the embodiment of uh, a character from the story who dies.
0: And and he knows it.
1: He knows it. So setting the story in motion for him isn't just about protecting Muto. It's about keeping himself from dying. Which again,
0: is it's harder to feel for him because once you some of these things start being revealed, it's like, oh, he's selfishly just like keeping the world in this static, sad <laughs> way and working against Tutu. And it's like, oh, it's just because he doesn't want to die. And I mean,
1: it's not I'm, just that, but that's, <laughs> that is part of it. It adds to it adds to his own uh, all of these people, except Muto, are going through an intense emotional existential crisis of one or another. Yes. Uh, And this is his existential crisis. The fact that he's supposed to be this knight who dies. And to be honest, once he accepts that, Muto wants to restore his own heart because Muto is starting to have a desire in that direction. Once he accepts that, uh he is, you know, completely unwaveringly unwavering, on board with making it happen and helping it move forward. And he's on board with it knowing he's going to die and convinced he's going to die. And in some cases, it feels like he's like running towards and moving towards his death more recklessly than he needs to. It's like, well, this is going to happen so may as well just, just go for it. And Princess Tutu is the one who has to, or, or Duck really is the one who has to kind of pull him back and be like, no, you you don't have to die. We can find another way to try and make this work.
0: When his story plays into those of fate and tragedy, of, there's like this sense of hope with Duck of like, maybe she's going to get a hat. Maybe there's a way to get around this. Mm-hmm. And with Fear you're just like, oh, no, he's going to die. It's, <laughs> you know he's going <laughs> to...
1: Yeah. It's hard to say most or least or things like that, but in, in Fakir's case, I'd say that uh, of all the characters, his story is the one that the most plays into the, the idea of fate versus free will. There's so many layers and, and stuff to this uh, because he becomes a, a rider, and instead of trying to fight with his sword, he tries to use like the power of that Drosselmeyer the author has to make things into reality he tries to use that power but he can't control it as well which aside bunny trail I love how the character Drosselmeyer and to and, and later on to a some extent fakir they're they're these like author figures and they're struggling with writing a story getting the characters to do what they want they, they can't just you know, oh, I'm going to write this down and and make it happen like this. They're they're constrained because that's what the experience of writing is often like. It's like, well, I want my character to go from point A to point B, but they just don't want to go. I can't I can't get them there. Uh, <laughs> I I was I was you know, writing the story then my character did something unexpected. It's like, I hear my writer friends and my sister who writes talk about those kinds of moments where it feels like the story has a life and an agency all on its own and that it resists you. And Princess Tutu does a great job of having characters resisting the author. And if you want to make a living story as opposed to a, a dead puppet story, Mm. Need to to some extent relinquish complete control of, of the story. Bringing the bunny trail uh, back on track. Um, Fakir, uh, for the first part, is largely focused on doing battle uh, with you know swords and, and fighting. That's what he does. He's got a sword, he fights. Princess Tutu dances. <laughs> And that, that kind of plays into what we were saying earlier about how this show is a lot less violent and fighty than just about every other show out there that has this kind of stuff in it. Just as you can sort of see Pique and Lillier as representing the shojo perspective, like they, they view everything that's happening in the story through the lens of high school drama. Fakir is largely viewing it in terms of a heroic, tragic battle fight stuff. And he needs to be talked out of it through a great relationship with Duck that is developed throughout the whole thing. My favorite moment of the whole show is when he has to give Duck a pep talk uh, that she she's basically been giving... These people like mini therapy sessions and dancing with them, and giving them little pep talks and and helping them through their problems. And then when Duck has her major problem at the the, the crisis at the very end, uh, he's the one who comes and gets her out of it. And you know it's, it's my favorite part. You you start off hating Fakir, but by the end, he's possibly my favorite character.
0: Agreed. He's pretty great. Yeah. What's really weird is he doesn't die. Yeah. <laughs>
1: now, now we've fully gone into full spoilers now, and no, no going back. If you if you listen this far and haven't uh, watched the show yet, shame on you. We're <laughs> about to spoil the entire ending, so leave while you can.
0: It's such an emotional roller coaster at the end. Because Fakir doesn't die. But there's still not necessarily a happy ending for everyone.
1: You know, <laughs> you know, let's let's talk about that. Um, yes. The major drama, uh, or the, 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 ma- the major crisis, is that all the heart shards have been gathered, except for one. That's the heart shard that Princess Tutu has. This heart shard lets her transform into Princess Tutu. Uh, and you don't know that this is that this special necklace that she has that's been letting her do all these magical girl transformations. Uh, you don't know that it's, it's actually a heart shard un- un- until the finale. And when she, you discover it, Prince Dude is basically given a choice. She can return it and basically go back to being the duck forever because she won't have the ability to transform anymore. And by duck, I don't mean the girl duck, I mean the the yellow duck. And, and so, of course, the, the great sacrifice at the end is not the typical tragic sacrifice that you get in stories where a character dies and it's sad because they're dead, but they you know were able to stop the bad guy long enough to make an opening for the person to stab him or, or something like that. The, the sacrifice that's made to make this feel tragic is that she gives up. Her ability to turn into a human and to turn into princess Tutu. So she's basically losing a major part of her identity, but also it fits in with partly with uh, the theme of being the true you in spite of everything. and anyway, uh, so because of that, the prince ends up marrying rue uh, and going off into the story world at the end because they they do defeat the the, the crow. I am skipping so many good parts. ah. It's just saying Rue's confession is so emotionally powerful. I'm going to go ahead and talk about it for just a second because uh, Raven has taken control and influence over the prince and is going to make the prince give him his heart to eat it so that the crow can eat his heart and live forever or something. The only way to stop it is for someone to take his place to to say that they love the prince, give a true confession of love, of true love, and take his place and be eaten by the crow or something. That's fairytale logic, that's the only way to stop it. And Princess Tutu can't do that because she can't confess her love without disappearing. Mm -hmm. So once again, we have major drama over uh, the confession, but the person who does that is Rue. Uh, She's gone through this whole you know, becoming bad and then becoming uh, good again. So this is this is this is her redemption and she she does that and it's awesome and I love it. And so then when the prince has his heart restored, he wants to go rescue Rue, he rescues her. They go off in the story, they live there happily ever after. But Duck is still a duck. A lot of people I think feel upset at that. It, it's it's not a typical happy ending.
0: No, that was definitely my impression. Cause it, it's Again, it's like you don't know what's going to happen at the end. You're like, is Rue going to die? And like her dying is going to save everyone. And then, but then maybe Duck and the prince can be together. But now I feel sad because I really like Rue or what's going to happen. And and for some reason, it's an odd mix because it, it would almost be more like romantic if Duck had like remained a girl, but the prince went off with Rue. It's it's like this weird comic tragedy that makes it so much weirder that she just ends up as a duck.
1: And so so yeah, and and that's kind of how it ends with Rue and uh, Muto together. Uh, and you know, she's now a duck and is swimming in a pond. And you know, Fagir is probably feeding her breadcrumbs or something. <laughs> uh, she literally gets breadcrumbs. But I, I really like this ending. Well, first of all, um, I think your feelings about the ending probably depend largely on whether you think uh, a hero uh, or duck ought to end up with uh, Fakir or with Muto. <laughs> because people do have differences of opinions. I, I, I'm a Fakir fanboy, so I, I'm perfectly happy with Muto going off with Rue. Same, uh-huh. but yeah. she's
0: still a duck. <laughs> yeah,
1: she's still a duck. But I think that this this really works works well because throughout the story, uh, the the major theme has been hope versus despair, right? Mm. That, that's what fate and free will are tying into. Like, you know, are you trying to you know act on your freedom and hope for a better future, or are you just going to? despair and give up and accept the fate that's allotted to you no matter how terrible it is that's the struggle that just about all of these characters go through and so so you have this major theme and then at the end they actually they give you the tools by which you could imagine a happy ending where a uh, duck gets her Ability to become a girl again, and she lives happily ever after with Fakir. You, you can imagine that that will happen. They don't give that to you, and you know th- there's plenty to recommend that idea. The, for one thing, Fakir is developing the ability to write stories that become reality. So he's uh, <clears throat> trying to learn the craft that Drosselmeyer had to make the stories become real, so that that would basically give him eventually the ability to do what Drosselmeyer did and give Princess Tutu or give Duck the ability to be human. Uh, So you can imagine that happening. And to further expand on that, it's explicitly stated that because his craft is not very good, he's he's not a great writer at the moment, he can't write about whatever he wants, but the one thing that he can write about is a story about Duck. That plays into... The whole resolution of the the ending. It also tells you that he really cares about and maybe possibly kind of likes Duck. Uh, she's super special to him, and he can write about her even when he can't write about anyone else. So we have like the the setup for you know where you could give it a happy ending if you wanted to. It's it's basically laid the foundation for which a happy ending could be told, but it. Doesn't give you that happy ending, just lays the groundwork for it. The last lines of the entire show after the credits, you know, and you're in the end credit epilogue scene, you see Fakir, he's writing, and uh, he's writing in some kind of a journal or something, and there's little ducks swimming in the lake next to him, and the narrator says, you know, I don't remember the exact words, but it says this is the end of the story. Uh, the story has come to its conclusion. And now a new story is going to be told, a story full of hope. Or you know, or some, something along those lines. It basically says, hey, so many other stories do. Like, life goes on. The characters ride off in the sunset to to go on more adventures and have more stories that we're not going to follow at the moment. And in this one, basically says... Fakir's, you know, writing a new story. It's a story full of hope, and that's where it ends. It doesn't give us that final resolution where everything works out, but it is basically hinting and promising us that there will be one, but doesn't give it to us because at this point, each reader needs to essentially imagine what happens next. And write the story in their heart and their imagination of what happens next. I don't mean literally writing down a, a fanfic or something, although you, you could do that. That's fine. I've, I'm sure a lot of people have. But what I'm talking about is the fact that at the end of any story, the, the reader kind of imagines what happens next. They, even if it's just kind of, oh, well, they live happily for, forever. Uh, that that always happens at the end of any story, and in Princess Tutu, by leaving things slightly unresolved, they demand more from you, and you have to write how you think it kind of ends. And in that act, you have to make a choice: Do you imagine a world where things resolve and they are happy and have hope, or do you despair and say it'll never change? This is you know, end of story. State of the world forever. And so this theme of hope and despair that's been played out in the story throughout the, from, from episode one all the way to the end, it now comes back to you and you have to make your choice. It's, it's a situation where the reader can't be entirely passive and just take in the story. They have to enter in and contribute something with their imagination. And that's true of all stories to some degree, but Princess Tutu forces it on you in in this ending. And I, I love it uh, because it requires you to think about everything that you've learned from the story of Princess Tutu and then apply it.
0: So I really, really love your viewpoint on this. And I feel like that is so true and I, I respect that because I often criticize movies that give me too much information. You don't have to give me a narration at the beginning explaining how this world came to be or anything. Like, let, let me figure it out for myself. Your viewpoint on it is so powerful and it's, it's kind of humbling for me as someone who critiques movies for giving me too much information to then be like, oh, in this instance, I as an audience member and demanding like make it right, make it the way I want it to be. But you're right, like they've already given me the tools for that. Like what as a creator... the the, props to the writers on this for not only trusting your audience so much to stick with this strange story about ballet and fairy tales in high school and talking cats (laughs) all mushed together. (laughs) But then to also be like, yeah, and now we're not going to give you the ending you want. It's almost like you already know. We don't have to tell you. You already know what you want. Mm
1: -hmm. Write it.
0: In your mind or whatever, so I I really love your explanation of this ending.
1: Uh, even with the explanation, I feel like a lot of people are going to feel still unsatisfied, and that's yeah. okay. Uh, a lot of this is you know temperament and how people feel about things in general. I am very uh, open to bittersweet endings to endings that are, are slightly unresolved or that hint at a little bit of happiness later on is like i'm patient i can wait i can you know i can go with it some people feel like they need the certainty and that that's largely a a, a difference in, in in people's personality
0: also and- in culture because mm-hmm. when i first saw this and it was it left me kind of sad i went oh that makes sense it's asian so i i do not consume a lot of japanese media but i have watched a a fair amount of chinese media and i actually got into this strange conversation with one of my chinese professors when i was going to school in china because he made a comment that he's a, a an older teacher and he made he just made this offhand comment of like yeah movies kids just want happy endings these days so my hand shot up and I was like look teacher I've been trying to watch more Chinese things I've been watching this a couple tv shows I've been watching Chinese movies I've been trying to read books and I was like they all end sad and I I like listed some of the the movies that had been playing in the theaters. And I was like, this ends sad. And this ends sad. Why do all Chinese media just end sad? And he he thought about it for a while. And then he said, mm, well, you know, you want to have moderation in things. You don't want things to be too sweet. Hmm. And that was just so interesting to me. One that he, like from my viewpoint everything was sad and from his viewpoint those were not as sad as they could like his his idea of sad was different than mine and it it just made me think about western media versus asian media Mm -hmm. and i i've noticed with the few anime the few japanese anime i have seen i feel like there's more of a happy ending I feel like there is a a tendency in the West, uh, particularly Hollywood America of we, we really want our happy ending. And so maybe it's, it's good to be challenged. I, I feel like because this is Japanese made using European stories and music and ideas, that it's like this perfect mixture of challenging probably a lot of different people from different cultural backgrounds. And for me, that's, that's what was challenging about this is, is it didn't just slap a really happy ending on it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that I know Hollywood would have done. Hollywood would never have ever done anything like that. And, for being such a big critic of Hollywood, it, it was a little humbling to be like, oh, this is challenging me. And I do enjoy that in my media. It's hard, but it's good, you know?
1: hmm yeah. I don't expect people, uh, when they hear my explanation, to be like, oh, yes, you are absolutely right, Andrew. This is you're absolutely the perfect ending that was you're absolutely ideal, and I love it now. Like, I don't expect that. But I do kind of hope that I been able to like give other people who enjoy the rest of Tutu as much as I do a way of accepting the ending and appreciating it even if they don't enjoy it the way the way I do I
0: hope that too thank (laughs) you so much for introducing me to the the rabbit hole of ideas that is Princess (laughs) Tutu
1: oh it's it's wonderful it's really is my favorite uh, anime of all time, my favorite TV show of all time, and yeah, you know, I was—I—I I cried the first time I watched it at all the the normal moments, but every time I watch it again, I cry at more different moments <laughs> because I know how it ends, and so I can see all these connections. It's like, oh, this is going to happen three episodes from now, and it's oh, sad. <laughs> and Princess Tutu is so pure. Yeah. <laughs> So I just, I just, I was uh, rewatching a few episodes to kind of prepare for this, just kind of a, a Princess Tutu refresher, and I was bawling my eyes out at the weirdest moments.
0: Well, because they're all connected. Oh yes, yeah. And and you, I think that is also the sign of something really great. Is it has rewatch
1: value? Oh yeah, and this goes back to what you were saying a, a moment ago about wanting things to be more subtle. Princess Tutu is very subtle in a lot of ways. There, there are things that, on the first watching, I didn't particularly like that much. I thought, eh, they didn't do a great job. It's like, I watched it again. It's like, hey, that actually, that actually had a point to it. I, I get what they're doing now, and I missed it the first time uh, because it was so subtle, or characters and and things that just pop up. It's like, oh, this is entirely comic relief. Like Master Femio, uh, the guy who uh, with the bowls. Uh, he's just so ridiculous. He shows up for one episode and it's, it's hilarious. And I loved it. But it was like, it was just that for the longest time. And then I realized oh, this fits into the, the whole idea of a selfish, consuming love versus a self giving love because Femio's idea of love is completely messed up and it just plays into that theme so well. Uh, and at the same time, they're doing major character development for Rue. I can't get too much into it right now, but there's so many small things that are easy to gloss over on first watching, but watch it again and you see more and more.
0: So we hope everyone will watch it and maybe even watch it multiple times to get all those those things you missed the first time.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Thank you so, so much, Andrew. I... You have such a great way of looking at things on kind of a meta scale, but also really connecting with the characters and on the human level. And I I really appreciate that about how you see things. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Patchwork Girl and Friends. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And if you would like to see the artwork that I made for it, please check out my Facebook page or my Instagram account you can find me by looking for Patchwork Girl Productions. I hope that this episode has encouraged you to go out and have interesting conversations with your friends. I release new podcasts every other week and sometimes special ones on holidays. Have a great day, friends. I'll see you next time.